You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. This is CJ Wolf, Healthicity's Senior Compliance Executive. I recently had a wonderful conversation with Christopher Chandler, from Intermountain Healthcare uh, about MPP coding, and we just had to have him back. So welcome back, Christopher. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And today, though, we want to talk about NCCI Policy Manual um, and kind of take a deep dive into that. And know you have a lot of expertise there. Um, tell us, in your opinion, why do you think that NCCI Manual is important? You know, the NCCI Manual is kind of a hot topic. I've given a couple presentations about this at some conferences, and they are usually very well attended because people hate the NCCI Policy Manual. <laughs> it's a, they see it as a big book of rules that yeah. just stops them getting paid for the stuff they're doing. Right. And really, it's not that way at all. It is more the instruction manual telling them why it is you can't bill for certain things. And usually it comes down to you can't build this code with this code. Right. Yeah. And and now just a little bit of background. It's it's a Medicare product, correct? But a lot of payers have adopted it. Tell us a little bit about that. A lot of payers have adopted it. Yeah. So it's a Medicare written manual that basically explains why they have certain edits. And so you you may hit these Medicare edits. It doesn't tell you why you're hitting it. So you go to the NCCI manual to figure out why. Sometimes you can build two codes together, other times you can't. To find out when you can, you go to the NCCI policy manual. And a lot of commercial payers have adopted these same edits as well, using the NCCI policy manual as a, a background. Yeah, because it. all of it's publicly available, right? Both the, the narrative portion of the manual plus the numeric edits, it's all publicly available, correct? Correct. If you were to just Google... CMS, NCCI manual, it would be the first link yeah. on there. Okay. Well, so then let's, that's a good little bit of background. Let's really spend our time on some of these main themes that you, you've kind of recognized. Um, where's a good place to start? Is surgical package a good place to start? I think so, yeah. A lot of, a lot of the NCCI manual falls down to surgical package, meaning that when you bill a code for a procedure, you are not billing for the procedure alone. You are billing for an entire package of services that usually go with that procedure. So the CPT manual lists some of those and says, you know, the preoperative history and physical is not separately reportable. You always do a preoperative history and physical. So we just lumped that into this right. and you'll get reimbursed in that big lump sum. Typical post-op care orders, all that's listed in the CPT manual. Then the NCCI manual comes along and says, well, hold on, we've got four or five, maybe six more things that we want to add to the surgical package. Things like, you know, there are the separate procedure codes. And what about post-op complications and anesthesia and performing multiple procedures at the same time? Right. Uh, sometimes those overlap. And so the NCCI manual has broadened that surgical package and said, because we lump all these together and we are 
considering this payment to represent all these services, there are times where you cannot report two codes together because it will, if you were to report them together, the way the system is set up, you would basically be getting paid twice for something you only did once. Yeah. I remember, and tell me if this analogy still holds true today, but years ago when I was teaching a lot of this to doctors, I'd say, look, if you're going to do a general abdominal surgery, um, yes, you're going you're gonna to cut open my abdomen, you're going to do the reparative surgery or whatever, explorative, whatever it is, um, and you're just going to walk away and leave my belly open. No, you have to close it. And there are wound codes. There are separate wound codes for closing wounds. Um, but you don't get to report those separate wound closures because the work of entering my abdomen, doing some service, and closing my abdomen is all included in that one abdominal surgery code. Is that still hold true? Does that thinking and rationale still hold water? Yes, it does. It absolutely holds true. That's what you would call an inherent service. Closing a patient... I mean, it's inherent that if you open a patient, you're going to have to close them. Right. You know, it's, it's included. Another inherent, uh, inherent service are iatrogenic injuries. So when you are cutting into the patient, or this happens a lot with laparoscopic abdominal surgeries, is you're going in and you accidentally cut into the small intestines or poke the small intestines with a trocar when you're doing laparoscopic surgery. Right. So you got to repair that. Right. And so it's an injury that you caused. Right. So you have to repair it. And because you caused it, you can't bill separately for it. Right. So that's another common inherent service that the NCCI policy manual talks about. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the sur- surgical package um, that you re- referenced, it, it's more than just that day, as you said. It, you know, what if you have to remove the sutures six days out or something like that? Right. And that's your typical... Stop care, and that's represented in both the CPT manual, and then it's harped on a lot in the NCCI manual as well, because the CPT manual states that, hey, if the patient comes back and you have to do an evaluation and management service for a complication of the surgery, mm-hmm. you should report separately. But then Medicare in the NCCI manual has said, well, hold on, it's common to have complications that are managed by evaluation management services. Right. So because it's we consider it already within the reimbursement you're getting. So you can't bill separately for evaluating and managing a complication of a surgery unless you have to go back to the OR. Yeah, you can bill for the- exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. Is because they, they do draw a line. They say if it's this kind of management, it's up to this level of care, it's included. But if you have to go back to the OR, then they do let you bill separately, right? But you probably need a modifier at that point? Yeah, they would let you bill separately for the procedure but not the evaluation and management that led up to it. Gotcha. And that's where I think a lot of people get confused is they say, well, this led to the OR, so I'm billing for the E&M plus ah, the procedure. I see. And that's, that's not allowed. You would throw on, I think it's 79 modifier or 78, the unplanned return modifier for the procedure. But you, you don't bill separately for the E&M gotcha. for the complication. Yeah, that's, that's good clarification. Good. So if you feel like we're done talking about surgical package, uh, what's next? Is it the multiple procedure overlap, or what do you think? Yeah, that, that's honestly my favorite part of the NCCI policy manual, and I sound like such a nerd when I say that. <laughs> but it's true because I, I got my start in general surgery. I still consult general surgeons, and this is something that deals with any surgeon a lot. It's when you are performing multiple surgeries at once, and there are multiple surgical codes for each of those surgeries. 
So you, you were talking about abdominal surgeries. I'm in general surgery. Let's stick with that. If you're going in to do an appendectomy because the patient has appendicitis, but then the, the inflammation has leaked and it's caused, you know, corroding of the small intestines or whatever. Right. And you have to both take out the appendix and remove a portion of the small intestines. There is this thing called multiple procedure overlap where certain portions of the surgical package, if you bill for those two codes as they are, you will be saying that you did certain things twice when really only did it once. So, yeah. for example, the preoperative history and physical. You didn't do a preoperative history and physical for the partial enterectomy and a second one for the uh, appendectomy. You just did one. Right. You aren't providing two sets of post-op care. You aren't... You aren't uh, writing two notes, you aren't using two surgical rooms, yeah. you know, so all these things are, it's this overlap of an area that if you were to bill it as it is, you'd be getting paid twice for something you only did once. Yeah, so that's where Modifier 51 comes into play, okay. and it helps reduce. You would add Modifier 51 to the second code saying, hey, this was a secondary procedure, and the pair will reduce the payment of that second code by the amount that is that multiple procedure overlap. Usually they say it's about 50%. Okay. And that makes sense. You know, for the example you gave where you're going in for an appendectomy and you do some sort of other procedure on the intestines, you also didn't open the abdomen twice. You didn't close the abdomen twice. There, there's a lot of things that are worked into the work associated with a single code, like you're saying that, you know, you're only doing once. Correct. And, and, that's where the 51 modifier would come into play. And depending on where you live in the country, a lot of payers will add the 51 modifier automatically. So getting in contact with the payers that you work with is essential in knowing, do you, do you put this on automatically or do you require us to do it? And then that'll help you because a lot of healthcare systems don't ever put it on because they know the payer does it automatically. Yeah, just the mere fact of them listing two abdominal surgery codes on the same claim, same data service, that's going to be reduced by some Correct. payers. Yeah, interesting. Anything else on the multiple procedure overlap? That would be it. That's that's the big portion of it. Is it's it's there to help make sure that you are accurately getting paid for the services you're providing yeah. and you're not double. And, and so many providers just don't quite get that. They're saying, hey, I did this and I did that. I should build two codes right. and neither one of them should be reduced. That's exactly right. Or you right. see this a lot with the, uh, the separate procedure codes as well. Yep. Those CP codes that are classified as separate procedures, those are inherent services as well. Going back to that, you see that a lot there as well where they say, hey, I did two surgeries, but they don't understand that one of those surgeries already includes that separate procedure code and reporting both would say that you did it twice. Is, is this still a separate procedure, lysis of adhesions, where um, you, know, you might be going in to take out the spleen or something, but they've had prior abdominal surgery, so they have adhesions, so the, the surgeon spends a lot of time lysing those adhesions just to get to the spleen. Uh, there is a separate code, at least there was years ago, <laughs> for lysis of adhesions. Is that... No this example you're talking about? Yeah, it's still there. So lysis of adhesions is classified as a separate procedure code. And so the NCCI policy manual says, hey, this is inclusive in every abdominal surgery. 
So basically what that means is you never report a license of adhesions code with any other abdominal surgery code because they already consider it part of it. Then they go on and say, hey, if it's extensive, above and beyond what a difficult license of adhesions would be, fill modifier 22 with the other code and that'll help. Another really good example are diagnostic types of services. Yeah. So, for example, uh, a diagnostic laparoscopy, uh, laparotomy. So you're just exploring the abdomen, cutting in and exploring the abdomen and trying to find out what's wrong. If you were to build that code with, let's say, a cholecystectomy code, removing the gallbladder, then what you're saying is, hey, I cut in and explored the abdomen twice, once with the exploratory abdominal code and then a second time with the gallbladder removal code because they, they know you have to explore the abdomen and cut the patient open in order to remove the gallbladder. Right. So they've already put it in there. And the way I try to explain that to my physicians is they've done you a favor. Instead of having to build two, three, or four codes to represent everything you're doing, right. you get to build just one. And it's the same amount of reimbursement it would be if you had to build two, three, or four smaller codes. Yeah. And so then I often got the question from docs, well, when would I ever bill an exploratory laparotomy? And the answer is, if that's the only thing you did, you open up the abdomen, you explore, you find nothing, and you close. Is that right? Correct. Both the CPT manual and the NCCI manual say that separate procedure codes should only be reported if they are completely unrelated to any other procedures being performed at the time, or they're done independently. Yeah. And there is a surgery happening. Yeah, so the lysis of adhesions example that I gave is also holds true because sometimes you can get a bowel obstruction just from adhesions, and by lysing those right. adhesions, you solve the issue. And so if lysis of adhesions is the only thing you did, that's the code you report. That's the code you report. If you had to go on and do something else, well, that lysis of adhesions is already, that, that amount of reimbursement for lysis of adhesions already built into yeah, the other Yeah, exactly. The other area where I see a lot of this is like with GI scopes, with colonoscopies and things, because there's a lot of colonoscopy codes that are different based off of if you do a snare or a polypectomy or you do something else, even like diagnostic, like you're saying, you're not sticking the scope in, taking it out, sticking the scope in, taking it out with each of these codes. You're only inserting the scope once. You're doing all those things, snare, polypectomy, you know, maybe controlling bleeding, um, cauterization, et cetera. And so you use this multiple procedure concept. Is, is that another example? That is a perfect example of the diagnostic procedure. And that's, what, that's, what, that's why I geek out and love the NCCI manual is because once you start understanding how the overall system is working, then the rules begin to make sense. You're yeah. like, all right, it's logical now. I get it. Some physicians still will say, well, I hate it and it's still not very fair, but they understand it. They yeah. get why it is the way it is. They may not like the system, but they understand why those rules are there. Well, and most of the times what I find with physicians is they're just frustrated with the overall reimbursement. And so they want more reimbursement. Um, that is more of a reimbursement uh, argument, not a coding argument, right? You, you're, you're, you don't get more reimbursement by reporting more codes. You you pursue avenues to try to increase the reimbursement for the one code? Yes and no. I mean, sometimes you go into these physicians' offices and you find out that they've been billing in a license of adhesions code 
or they've been building two codes together that should not be built together. And they've been doing it for so long, they're used to that reimbursement amount. Yeah. And then you come in and you say, hey, you can't do that. Here are the guidelines. And we got to go back and fix all these past codes. And going from now going forward, you can only build this code. All of a sudden, that's, that's a decrease. They see that as a, as a decrease in pay. Right. When really it was they were getting overpaid for so The whole long. time, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's trying to clarify that perspective a little bit, and that's hard to do when you're talking about the work that I did and the money I get and that sort of thing. Um, yep. All um, logic seems to go out the window when you're saying, you can't have this much money. <laughs> exactly. So is the third theme uh, inherent services? We kind of touched on it a little bit, but what, what else on that area? We touched on that area a little bit. Another portion of inherent services that I think the NCCI manual talks a lot about that I really like is going to be um, uh, biopsies. They talk about how when you are billing a biopsy and an excision code, if you're biopsying an, uh, a lesion and then excising it later during the same surgical encounter, the biopsy is inherent to the excision. You cannot bill for both. There are some exceptions, but the overall rule is if you are biopsying a lesion and then excising that same lesion, you only bill for the excision. Now I'll play the physician in a role play for a second and say, okay, but what about when I uh, excised one lesion but I biopsied three other separate lesions? What do I do then? That's when you throw on a modifier to accurately reflect that these were separate sites, the 59 or the excess modifier, saying they're different. Now one of the exceptions they do have would be if you biopsy a, a lesion, send it to pathology immediately, and you're waiting to hear from pathology to find out if it's malignant. And if it's malignant, that's when you decide to excise the entire thing. Then you can bill for both services, both the biopsy and the excision of the same lesion, because you weren't intending to excise the lesion from the get-go. You were waiting to see if it was benign or malignant. Gotcha. And in the example I used of separate lesions, your documentation needs to demonstrate that because otherwise it'll look like you did all of this on one lesion and you inappropriately unbundled. Yeah, you got to tell us location, site, laterality, size, depth, all of it. Yeah. It's a lot of documentation requirements. You could have a whole episode on just that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that really goes along with it. Um, what I one thing that I recall from the NCCI manual is the narrative text because um, the manual is, is more or less separated in the same sections as the CPT manual. So there's an integumentary chapter, uh, musculoskeletal, respiratory, etc. Correct, and and there's a narrative right. portion that they use examples um, of codes that then you can apply that principle to other code sets. Correct. Yes, they have. The very first chapter is the general correct coding principles chapter. And that's probably the one to start with because they go through these general ideas that we've been talking about today. Then you get into the specially specific chapters and you see the applications of those for specific codes in that system and specific code relationships and things like that. For example, a, a very general inherent service is control of bleeding. If you are providing some sort of surgery and there is bleeding and you have to control it, there's a code for control of bleeding, but if it's during the same encounter, it's inherent. Right. However, 
once you get into the surgical systems, let's say the esophagoscopy section, and you start seeing the application of it, that when you are removing a mass or ablating a mass in the esophagus, that is when, and there is bleeding, that is when you would have to control it, and it is part, it is inherent of the overall procedure you're doing. But if they start bleeding two days later and you have to go and control the bleeding, well, then that's separately reportable because it's a separate encounter. You know, so yeah. it's, it's really nice to be familiar with the general concepts. Then you can take those concepts and find how it's applied in those specialty specific chapters. Yeah, and this concept of separate encounter that you just mentioned, though it's probably rare, we can come up with some theoretical scenarios where, you know, you, you did something in the morning um, and then stabilize the patient and it's still the same date uh, calendar date but it's now you know 18 hours later and it's almost midnight um, and you do something else and those two codes if they were done in the same encounter would hit an edit and would be inappropriate to report together but because they were done at separate times of the day uh, and really separate encounters it may be appropriate to use the 59 modifier or some other modifier to designate now these true even though it's the same date it it's truly separate. Is that true? Yeah, that would actually that would actually be a great example of using the XE modifier, the separate encounter modifier. These modifiers that and the NCCI manual goes into those as well, talking about hey, the fifty nine modifier is good, but it's used too liberally. So we made these four new modifiers, the X modifiers, that tell us exactly how it's distinct. XS it's a distinct site. XE, it's a separate a separate encounter. XP, it's a separate uh, physician. Or XU, it's an unusual overlap, a non-unusual overlap of services. And so the example you gave would be a really good example of applying what the NCCI manual is saying of use the XE modifier instead of the 59 to be a little more specific. Okay. And this XP is separate physician, but maybe the same uh, group practice. Could be, yeah. I've, I have tried to find examples of how to use the XP, and any examples I've researched or found, there's a better modifier out there. Because if it's a separate physician, I mean, is it an assistant surgeon, would you use the 80 modifier? Gotcha. Or, you know, is it a co-surgeon, would you use the 62 or a team? Of, so I have yet to find a really good example of when to use the XP modifier. What the about other three seem to bit easier. What's the XU? Is there a good example for that one? So that biopsy would be a great example. I mean, it's happening in the same encounter. You biopsied a lesion, sent it off for pathology, it came back ah, malignant, okay. so then the entire lesion. You'd want to throw the XU modifier on the biopsy code saying, hey, normally these overlap and normally this is, you know, multiple procedure overlap, but in this case, because it was malignant, it meets the NCCI guidelines. It's this unusual overlap that okay. is separately reportable. Okay. And then the scenario I threw out where I excised one lesion but biopsied three other separate, on those three separate biopsies, I used the XS. Correct. Yep. Because they're different sites. And the manual even says under the modifier 59 definition that if there is a more accurate modifier than, or a more specific modifier, then that modifier should be used instead of the 59. And I think that's what Medicare did with this and included it in the NCCI manual saying, hey, we're making the more specific modifiers, so yeah. use these. I don't, uh, not all 
commercial payers have adopted the X modifiers, but Medicare will take both the X modifiers or the 59 if you want to go above and beyond and be a little more specific and have perhaps less of a chance of being audited, the X modifiers might be a better way to go. Yeah. Well, great. Wow, this is a lot of great information. We're kind of coming to the end of our time. Do you have any last minute thoughts or comments, something that you would like to share that maybe we, we didn't get to talk about? I No, I just recommend reading that first chapter. The NCCI policy manual can be your best friend or your worst enemy, depending on how well you know it. And if you know it, it can it can help you navigate the coding system so much better. It can help reduce denials. It can help reduce the amount of edits that are happening, which can help pay payments get out faster and speed up the billing process. It is a great tool that can be used, but it's usually seen with this negative perspective rather than seeing it as a valuable tool. Yeah, great advice. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for your, your time and expertise. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. And and thanks to all our listeners for listening to another episode. Uh, Until next time, take care. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.